this week on Invasion, the podcast, evil is really cool. Did Disenchantment cast a spell on us? And we'll see if Steve could pass the chicken test. We bring you this special radio television broadcast in order to give you the very latest information on an amazing phenomenon. The arrival of a spaceship. Just a minute, ladies and gentlemen, I think something is happening. Flying saucers have invaded our planet. People of the of tension. It's the invasion of the podcast. The whole world is under attack. Can it survive? And welcome to Invasion of the Podcast, where we try to take over the world one listener at a time. I am a hot, sweaty mess. My name is Paul, and to my left is the effervescent, cool Steve. Hello, everyone, and I'm far from at this point, yeah. but uh, <laughs> we'll let the illusion live. Yeah. So I don't know. Like, while I was sitting here listening to the intro, it made me think of a. Uh, there was a statue. It was either Greek or Roman. It was called the Scraper, and it was of showing of like what you would do in your day to day like life as a you know back then in ancient Greece or, or Rome, where because bathing may have been more harmful to your health because you don't know what's in the water. Mm-hmm. So they have these like these just pieces of metal that they would bring along the the the, the parts of their body to scrape some of the crud and stuff off. That, that sounds disgusting. Yeah, I kind of feel like I want one of those right now. <laughs> like it's like I just I just want to because I'm just I am just I am like I am like a Thanksgiving ham. It is disgusting. That's what's going on. So I'm glad. I hope nobody's eating while this while we're talking. To, you know, while because I know last last week we had a wonderful talk about fair food, and there I am talking <laughs> about how I'm glistening like a ham, and I got more food talk coming. So. Um, yeah, I, uh, just, I just got to tell the story. So bear with me. I had, I have Steve on the edge of his seat wanting to hear the story from, from my weekend. Um, <clears throat> so Labor Day, uh, it was the day after Labor Day. Uh, my wife finds out that, um, Best Buy has a steelbook edition of Hocus Pocus for sale. Uh, and so, but you go online and try to find it and it's not really saying it's there trying to call Best Buys like just calling the ninth circle of hell. No one picks up like when you're on the phone for like five, 10 minutes through a phone tree, nothing. Right. So we go out to the North Olmstead one, which isn't too far. It's the closest one to us from here uh, on the West side of Cleveland. They don't have it. Um, and then, so she asked if another store had it and they said, well, um, what was it? Uh, Wooster might have a copy. And we're like, well, can, can you hold it? They're like, no. So like, <laughs> How's that for service? Wooster is an hour away <laughs> from uh, you know from North Olmsted, and it's like really like you like so we so she called and she eventually got hold of somebody, and she's like, please, we're coming an hour away. Can you hold it? And they're like, yeah, I'll be a customer service. I'm like, why did the second person say it was okay to hold it, and the first yeah. person said it wasn't? So meanwhile, this is me like you know like you know, my wife's like, well, you should come along. I'm like, I don't know. She's like, it won't it won't be long. I'm like, okay. So first that happens. And then it's like, so then it goes like, you're already, we're already traveled 20 some minutes, you know, West. Now we got to go East and South. And so, because we're already kind of, kind of frazzled and frustrated, we get on the highway and then she's like, it won't be long, I promise. And then and she's like, I got to get gas. I'm like, why did you go the highway? <laughs> uh, so then we get like this long, we take, you know, thinking, well, any, any exit off the interstate is going to take you to a gas station. No. So that that took a while, and then so then eventually we make it to the Wooster uh, Best Buy, which is like 
like uh, two thirds the size of any other Best Buy I've been in. It's really tiny, but nice, but tiny. I don't know why that one exists. It's just kind of there. Like they have this movie, but I didn't see a movie section. I don't know how, like they had like, <laughs> like a movie rack, like yeah. you know, for the new releases, but they didn't have like a section. And I'm like, I don't understand the store, but so on the way back, you know, an, an hour heading home. Right. So I get the idea in my head. I'm like, well, Hey, we're close to Parma. Why, why not go to long John Silver's because I hate myself. Um, <laughs> I don't know what you're feeling. I believe about. that's their slogan. <laughs> long John Silver's because you hate yourself. I don't know how you feel about long John Silver's. It's, it's a real guilty pleasure of mine. That I don't have often. So I feel like I eat it at the long John Silver's once every 10 years. So, <laughs> I don't have bad memories of it. My only memories of it ever are that I go and I eat way too many hush puppies and then I want to die. Um, huh, it's so funny. I, That's funny you say that. Yeah, uh, <laughs> I I go, you know, probably like once a year. Like I, I'm not a big seafood guy, so of course I like Long John Silver's because it's just whitefish battered to death, you know, and and hush puppies, you know, they're just they're cornmeal, yeah. yeah, they're deep fried, so perfect target market. So we go there. It's actually. Um, it is Labor Day, so I didn't think it was going to be super busy. We passed by the Golden Corral. The parking lot's packed there. Not that we were thinking about stopping at Golden Corral. I thought, it's, it's Long John Silver's. He can't be busy. We get in there. It's like one person behind the counter, like one person cooking, like five people deep, like waiting. We order our food eventually, and we sit down and wait. And as we're waiting for our food, none, that's not a problem. Another family comes in. And sits down. It's like a mom, a grandmother, and, and two kids, but they're like, you know, grown up kids. So, like adults. I don't know. But anyway, it's a family. And while we're waiting for our food, because um, Long John Silver's is, is the ship of the dam, they're just playing like 50s oldies music on the radio. And, and it's just, I don't know. It just feels like if you ever, like, if you're going to snapshot of a place that never seems to ever update with the times, it's always Long John Silver's. Like, it's just, they, nothing about it ever seems current. Nothing ever about it seems like we should remodel the inside. No. <laughs> It's always the same seven booths that are named after ships with bad names, you know, and it's like, and, and so it's just, we're waiting. And as this music's playing, I, and here's the part that I, I, I like to think of myself as a good person, but I was really being tested as we're waiting for our food. The, the grandmother is humming along to every single God damn song that plays <laughs> and it's not just like a quiet to yourself it's we're like three tables over and we're hearing her humming to everything every song right and it's like and i i'm just frustrated because like i don't know about you but like once i get something in my head in terms of like something that's annoying me it gets like amplified by 10 and i so i was trying not to let my wife see that i was frustrated but at one point we just both looked at each other and i knew what she was thinking and i was thinking the same thing and so um our food comes and as we're trying to eat and just trying to ignore everything, wipeout starts playing and, and, and it's like, finally she can't come to it without words. No, it was, she was humming along to wipe out as well. <laughs> and it's just like, it was frustrating. And then we're still eating and then they get their food and you're thinking, well, okay, fine. They got their food. And then I get a text message from, from Mary. Cause she's sitting right beside me and obviously we're being, being terrible, but we can't say it out loud. She's like, She's like, she's humming with goddamn food in her mouth. I'm like, yes, she. So this woman would not stop humming no matter what was going on. And it was just like, all I wanted to do after a two hour search and rescue mission for Hocus Pocus, you know, dry all over God's half acre. I just wanted some, some fish and 12 hush puppies 
and, and no worries, right? And I feel like I got punished because I chose Long John Silver's. <laughs> you know, and it's like you're kidding me, you know. And but yeah, I, what uh, will your punishment be? Send him to the Long John Silver's. Send him to to the the galley where the the humming never stops. <laughs> and it was just like it. I I just you can't you can't stand up and be like, ma'am. You know, uh, I know you're enjoying the music of your youth, and and like you're probably remembering like the the best times of your life. Could you please stop goddamn humming in this restaurant? Like, you know, in this fine, seaworthy establishment, you know, I just, you know, I could not, I could not do it. But I ordered a bunch of hush puppies. I couldn't finish them because I hit that point of like, why did I do this? You know, so, <laughs> why do I hate myself? Yeah. So that was, I mean. Wow. It sounds like I really missed out on something by not going to <laughs> Long John Silver's. Let's see if I can keep that streak going. Yeah. Uh, so ring the bell if you did well. I did not ring the bell. Uh, <laughs> but it, like, so to speak, like to, to, to piggyback off what we're talking about last week, they now sell deep fried uh, Twinkies there. Do they? And they also sell them by the dozen. <laughs> they all sell. It'll taste like fish. I, it's got to be the same oil, right? Yeah, because yeah. like, you got to think the hush puppies and the fish are the same oil, right? So the Twinkies have to be in there too. Uh, but because oh. we've all had that moment where we've got something fried and you can distinctly taste yeah. the thing that whatever was uh, in there right before. It makes me wonder then if the inverse is possible, where it's like this fish, this fish tastes like a Twinkie. Like I, then I might be hooked. I'd be like, can I have more of those, please? But yeah. No, because you got to get the the two piece fish and more. And you got to add a piece of fish, and then you got to get six thousand hush puppies. That's that's the way you do it, you know. Like, is you get too much fish, too much malt vinegar, and too many hush puppies, and then you don't want to go back for a year. <laughs> yeah, just the humming, just the humming got me. I just I could not. When you I, said wipeout, though, I was picturing like wipeout by the Fat Boys. I don't know if you ever heard <laughs> the Fat Boys version. <laughs> Yeah. Like I, I like I'm I was, picturing her like rapping along, and I was telling my wife like I, I almost wanted to start like you know drumming along with my table, and then <laughs> and then just kind of like nod off, look at her, and be like, now you you pick it up, you go, you start humming, and then I'll start drumming, you know. And it was just like yeah, it was very frustrating. It's not the best story, but just think, I mean, I was already in the car for two hours, pretty much to go get one movie, and then then that. So that was my day. That was my uh, my labor day. Nice. Yeah, good times, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah, so uh, I have a similar story. I mean, surprisingly, two heavyset guys have stories about food on their, their holiday humming. weekends. It's weird, yeah. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, uh, I mean, the two major things that we did was is we went out to dinner uh, the one night and ended up at BW3s because uh, my wife was uh, interested in the buffalito. <laughs> um, but uh, whatever's in it, she that's, gets that's it without the That's a female buffalo. Is it? Okay. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> Well, she gets it without meat, so whatever's in it is apparently something she likes. But uh, I'm at a point in my life now where, like, I, I I don't do appetizers very much anymore. Like with a meal, like I tend to either go with one or the other. Yeah. Um, so I was looking at the menu and I'm like, I don't know. I'm like, I kind of want this, kind of want that. I don't know really what I want. And then there was a sampler platter that I think is meant for like multiple people, but I'm like, I'm going to make this my encore. Uh, it was uh, boneless chicken wings, uh, onion rings, uh, like nachos piled with like jalapenos and cheese and queso, and then mozzarella sticks. <laughs> and that was what my dinner was that night. And and a, a big uh, like 32-ounce beer. Nice. So, yeah, I was uh, the peak of health uh, that evening. And, uh, I just needed some hush puppies to yeah. run over. <laughs> 
but it was our first uh, foray into Spirit Halloween for this year. So uh, managed to make it to Labor Day weekend. I mean, granted, I don't think they were open before this past weekend anyway. But uh, saw some cool things, some things that uh, are like I love Spirit Halloween, but they're always overpriced. Yes, even though they always have like a twenty percent off coupon, it's still like God. I feel like I'm still paying overpaying even with a coupon. But uh, one of the things that I saw. And, uh, well, let me step back for just a second. I'm sure you've seen by now on Facebook the pictures of the inflatable sandworm from Beetlejuice. Yes. You? Okay. yes, yes. So my wife is now obsessed with having that. Like, she she wants it bad. So uh, I believe Home Depot is carrying it, but they have been out of stock online, and she's been unable to find it. Spirit is also carrying it, but it's like $50 more. It- Needless to say, they didn't have it in store anyway, but... Um, that was kind of what sparked us going in to see if they had that. Um, and just to see like, if by chance, you know, we were going to buy one, maybe it would be in there. Um, but yeah, I, I almost guarantee that that thing, it, if she can find it at a decent enough price, it's going to end up in our yard. I, I know <laughs> it is. Um, but there was a couple of cool Ghostbusters things there. So again, this is with the price, uh, issue, there was a foam, like, I don't know if I could say life size, but I would say like what I would actually picture the size of Slammer to be like if you actually had. <laughs> You're like it was a one to one accurate representation <laughs> yes. of the of, of the was it um, level three ectophasmic <laughs> juice. I don't know. I yeah, and I fell in love with it, but it was ninety dollars, and I'm like, even with a twenty percent coupon, I'm like, I don't know that there's you know seventy eight dollars or whatever it breaks down to of worth of cool here. Yeah, um, it needs to be a mini fridge that you could put stuff in. Because well, like, if you had a Slimer, <laughs> they could just reach in and grab drinks and hot dogs or whatever. I think that'd be appropriate. I like that. Because I was like, because as soon as I picked it, I'm like, if it's $50, I'm buying it. If it's $50, I'm buying it. And then I turn <laughs> it over and it's like $89.95. I'm like, oh. So it was, it was outside of my price range. And then the other thing that I saw, which I thought was funny, was uh, leading into our first big story here. Um, I expected there to be a ton of of Halloween memorabilia. Halloween, the film. The film, considering that it's coming out next month, it's Spirit Halloween. The one thing that I found was a Halloween door knocker, but what I really liked about it was was that the packaging all had Halloween H2O on it. (laughs) So a film from 20 years ago, which means that like they probably were like, hadn't made it in 20 years or something, or they were just sitting somewhere and got shipped out. I'm going to guess that like they're like, you know... It's H2O. It's people. This movie's aged so well. It's it's Jamie Lee Curtis. People aren't going to know the difference. It's fine. But I thought for sure I would see like at least like a poster or or not even a poster, but like um, clings and things like that, like uh, all kinds of fun door stuff or uh, nothing. So um, and granted, you know, they were just opening up. So I'm sure it will not be my last trip to Spirit Halloween. I'm I can guarantee you from this point on until Halloween, I'll be in some sort of store <laughs> looking for Halloween crap. So, I spirit stores, uh, they they always like the smell of latex gets to not latex, but whatever, whatever rubber Halloween stuff's made out of, like latex or whatever, yeah. it, is, it gets to me after a bit and just it just I get really queasy. Like, not like you know, I'm gonna pass out, but it's like I just don't want to be in this place anymore. So, my trips are always like, that's cool, I gotta get outside and get fresh air. Like, I can't, <laughs> I don't know what it is, something about it just sets me off, it hits me the wrong way. 
Um, yeah, but I, I just I, so do you think there's going to be any Halloween resurrection stuff, like <laughs> like uh, like Buster Rhyme albums and stuff? Like, hey guys, we're going to bring out the rest of the Halloween stuff that no one bought. It would be great if there was like a Buster Rhymes mask or like just a, a um a, like a keychain that played only his uh, dialogue. <laughs> or, or or a keychain that's just nothing but Rob Zombie uh, Halloween swear words or just like he's press <laughs> and it goes on for like an hour and a half the, the length of the movie um, I, <laughs> I come out I come out on the side that likes that movie right. but uh, I, I will go with that like, I um, almost kind of want to watch the sequel now just to talk to you about it have you not seen the sequel no okay no we watched uh, we watched Halloween the Rob Zombie one and then also what was it the prequel to the thing talk about about what two years ago because i was kind of wouldn't be challenged by different takes on franchises that i like both of them are john carpenter franchises so how do you see them being approached differently so no i never bothered watching the sequel uh i think if you which is unfortunate as i say this is if you took michael myers out of it um it would actually be a very interesting drama about um Brad Dourif's character, Sheriff Brackett, uh, in the second one, has taken Lori in, and his daughter Annie survived the first movie. So it's this weird dynamic of him trying to raise two girls. One, well, they've both been horrifically, like, uh, gone through this horrific, tragic event, and, like, there's a lot of that stuff that I really like in the movie, okay. particularly Brad Dourif, um, who's, you know, he's usually good in anything that you see him in. Um, but uh, So he's kind of playing a good guy? Yeah, yeah, because he's, oh, he, he's the sheriff uh, uh, in the first one, if you remember. Oh, um, yeah, I, maybe I blocked that out. Yeah, um, so since you know her parents are murdered in, or I should say her step-parents are murdered in the first one, he takes okay. her in um, because she was best friends with his daughter. Um, and he also has the secret knowledge of who she she really is, being that she's Michael's sister. Oh, okay. Um, but like, if they just like took that little section and like, broaden it out into like an hour and a half movie of him just having to deal with like trying to raise a family after this horrific event it'd be a fantastic drama and that's that's the stuff that i'm like oh this is what i like about rob zombie's movies is when he does this type of thing the real um character grounded based stuff um i it's rare for me to walk out of a halloween sequel and be like i wish they'd have taken michael myers out of that (laughs) so uh but enough talk about halloween yeah let's uh let's get to some news everyone the new halloween trailer just came out so i figured it'd take a second to talk about it um, and by a second he means 45 minutes 45 i'm not gonna stop yeah. talking about it <laughs> um yeah like so the new one the, the new one that's um directed by i can't remember the name but i know it was um, david gordon green david gordon green and co-written by um uh kenny powers <laughs> <laughs> yeah i can't think of his name either um, i i uh, that bug, bugs me. I can see his face, and I, and I know him. <laughs> I don't know why. Oh, it's gonna bug me. I want to look it up right now, and I want to be like this. Uh, no, it's um, shoot, isn't it? I about to click the internet, and I'm like, ah, I know it, and then whatever. Um, uh, I'm trying to uh, fill it, here, but I'm I know, stuck I know, I got as well. It's um, uh, Danny McBride. Why uh, my. I just feel like the moment we hit record on anything, and I'm just like, I know th- I don't know things. Why did I, I come up with David Gordon Green like no problem, yeah. but Danny McBride I get I, stuck on. Sure. Um, so, yeah. So the new trailer came out, and I and I gotta admit, like every 
everything from the initial teaser. He said um, that so begrudgingly. Well, I got to no, no, admit. No, it's just that because we, we kind of talked about a little bit about this last week where people overanalyze and yeah. things you didn't notice. in the. Did you see that all the teeth that Michael Myers was dropping belonged to so-and-so? Like, you know, those were all molars, none incisors there. So that tells you, like, no, I just, you know, that just whoever this is, those are re- like, you know, just look for the person without teeth later. You'll know that's them. I, I just, I got tired. We talked about, like, you know, how we watch movies wrong and overanalyze things. However, I do feel it's worth you know reacting because a, t- a trailer makes you want supposedly makes you want to see the f- film foom makes you want to see the foom uh, and from the initial teaser showing Lori being more of a um, like come and get me I'm ready for you which as much as I was behind that the initial bit was a little it felt a little odd but every trailer since then has made it feel better and better with Lori Strode's character where she's at now and this new mm-hmm. trailer if this doesn't get you excited for what they're trying to do, I don't know what else to say. Yeah. I mean, for me, I think that that's the thing that I'm probably the most excited about is this version of Lori. Um, going back to H2O, which you just mentioned earlier, I, I always Not thought, resurrection. No, <laughs> I always thought H2O was decent, but it felt like a missed opportunity. That movie just felt too short. I don't know what it was about it. It, it, it ended so fast, which is fine, but that movie only felt like it was like 60 minutes. I don't know. Yeah. And it didn't even get to like the, the Michael Myers stuff till like later. Like, well, he, was, he, he does pop up at the beginning because yeah. he kills the nurse from the original um, at the beginning of the film, uh, ransacking her house looking for information. Um, but the thing that I thought was interesting about h2o was is the direction they took was is that she's clearly been traumatized but she's you know basically self-medicating with booze and drugs and she's assumed another name and she's basically kind of in hiding with her son um this one they're taking it as yeah she's she's definitely um been traumatized as well but she's taken it to a whole new level in the sense that like she she believes that the evil is out there and she spent every day since then training uh, to, I don't want to say avenge herself, but to uh, basically eradicate the evil that had attacked her when she was 18. It was never a matter of if it was always a matter of when. Yeah. Yeah. Um, She's kind of Dr. Loomis in that way. Like, I mean, she had to take some days off though. You got to think like there was probably, (laughs) probably like a Thanksgiving here or there, you know, like, cause Halloween passed. You got to get that moment of this like, Okay, probably not going to happen next holiday. I got a minute, you know. I don't know if you're pre- preparing every single day, but that's me. But I know. I, I, I don't she know. doesn't uh, take any days off. No <laughs> Easter. No. She's like, I got the turkey in the oven. I got to go out and take a couple shots. <laughs> I got to still work on my marksmanship. But but I love that aspect of the trailer, um, and I hope we get more of that in the film. Um, and the other thing that I loved, and I realized that this is, this is sort of... Um, that's the word I'm looking for here. Not contradictory, but I feel like I love a good special effect when it comes to like a physical, practical like kill. Um, just any time a movie pulls off a really good one, it's like you want to stand up and cheer. On the same aspect, I feel like, and we don't know what we're going to get in this film, but I there are shots in this movie of Michael like grabbing like a hammer. That is so almost horrifying just thinking about what he's going to do with that hammer that I almost don't want to see what he does with it. Yeah, and even Um, in the trailer, they they show him moving off camera to do it. I mean, it's a trailer. You don't know the extent of it, but it's like that, you know, sometimes less is more. And Mm -hmm. just his his very um, deliberate, like, pace. And, you know, again, you can't see his face, but the way he carries himself. 
like because the, the trailer shows him being bumped into by kids trick or treating. Yeah, which and, is a callback to the first one. Yeah, and then he just turns and goes like just just beelines it for the garage, and then go, it's just that something about that is like there's the. The conclusion's already foregone. He's going to get what he he's going to do. What he's going to do. He, it's just the you know what's the easiest way for him to do it, and then it just moves off, moves like out of frame, and it, it is very you know you don't need this. I don't know. I like the original Halloween works really well because your brain builds a lot of it. Yeah, um, and I will say as well that that scene reminds me of the fact that just in these trailers there seem to be a lot of. I don't want to say callbacks, but there's certainly a lot of influence from the previous movies. Um, that moment in particular feels very similar to the first one. But when he follows that woman into the house, that feels very much like the opening of two, where he goes into the woman's making her husband a sandwich and he grabs the, the, the knife off of the kitchen table uh, or off the kitchen counter. Um, and I'm sure everybody and their mother has pointed out that the costumes from Halloween 3, the um, three... Um, masks the mm -hmm. pumpkin mask the skeleton mask and the witch mask are all seen being worn by kids in the neighborhood so that's a nice little nod to to three um the scene in the bathroom is almost reminiscent of h2o where um we see a little girl and her mother go into a stall and we don't know if jason if jason oh my god i just committed a mortal sin somebody just shoot me in the face uh jason, michael jason myers <laughs> jason Kruger shows up and it's all hell breaks loose no um uh, but it, it, that has a very similar feel. So it feels almost like they're playing on familiar things, but at the same time presenting them in a new way. Mm -hmm. And I'm I'm really interested to see where they take it. Um, I don't know. I, I don't know that there's... I, I don't want to see any more. I will say that. that that's, like, me too. I don't want to see... I like, don't want to see anything else. I, although there was an international trailer that came out today that had a little bit of different footage, so I watched that, of course. <laughs> um, but I, I am, I'm done at this point. You've got me in the bag. I just got to... Stay away from everything else until October nineteenth because I want as much of that experience as possible. With like Star Wars nine, like every week there's a new like photo on set reveal. It's like just can can we have a minute like before the rampant speculation starts up again? We don't have any any footage. We don't have a trailer. Can we just can we back off? Like yeah. and then and I feel like you know if you if you go looking for things, you're going to ruin it for yourself. And maybe some people like doing that. I don't. So you're right. Like I, this is about as far as I want to get with this. I haven't read too much further. I just saw the initial teaser, the first trailer, then this one. I'm good. I don't need. It's like um, the final trailer for the Predator came out. Like I don't. I haven't watched it yet. I mean, it it, it it's better than the other trailer. You know, I'll say that. Um, I don't need anything else. You know, like that's it. Like you don't. I don't need to go further with it. So yeah, this is it's a good trailer, and it and the, when the music kicks in, it's right. It's just it. It feels like the right people have gotten gotten a hold of this property and they're doing it well. And um, uh, her face because Laurie Strode, um, Jamie Lee Curtis, Jamie Lee Curtis. Oh, she looks like she is game. Like she's been down. Yeah. And yeah. So I, she's not phoning this in. It isn't like just a matter of you know, getting a paycheck. So I'm, I'm excited. I honestly think that she feels like she didn't get what she was supposed to out of H2O um, because they had made this promise to her that you get to kill Michael in this movie. Mm -hmm. And then like halfway through production, I believe, or maybe it was very early on, they're like, yeah, you're going to kill him, but I really kill him. And 
and whether she kills him in this movie, I don't know. But I just I have a feeling that she feels like there was something left to be said with Lori, and that's that's really what I'm excited about. Whether it's her last film, uh, whether it's them like saying we're ending this franchise and we're going to start fresh after this, I'm good with that too. Like whatever they want to do, I'm I'm on board with. But I I'm really excited to see that she's she is bringing her a game. Good. Yeah. So yeah, that's we're we're excited for that. So enough about Halloween since we you know tricked you guys and saying that there'd be no more news about Halloween. Uh, next thing, uh, we're rampant speculation. <laughs> we <just> talked, <laughs> um, Did you see these images from Captain Marvel? Yeah, uh, Entertainment Weekly put up ten images online, first looks of the film. So at least these people are costume. There's pictures. This isn't just like this is an official first look by a magazine. This isn't some douche with a camera who was fifty feet away like. Yeah. Captain Marvel is wearing Captain Marvel gear. Oh no, yeah. I guess we'll find that out. But there's like it's cool to look at. I mean, obviously they're showing like these photos wouldn't be released without Marvel's like you know permission. Yeah. So there's things that they want you to see specifically. Like um, the biggest thing for me is the scrolls. They're showing the scrolls, and they look like scrolls. And I don't know why, but as you held your cursor because we're looking at the photo of the scrolls, it says mean and green. It does say mean and green. <laughs> yeah, because that's oh, the title of the photo. That's yeah. the title of the photo. Sorry. That would be great if that was just like they're not called scrolls but they're called mean and green no but they got obviously the green skin pointy ears but they're wearing the purple as well um and uh, this will be exciting to see how they're um handled because uh scrolls at least according to you know, the marvel cinematic universe not cinematic universe the marvel universe they're able to shapeshift and take over uh some of them even have the ability to take over abilities but they're like the the biggest infiltrators they, they, they take over, get into positions of influence, and then corrupt, right? So this will be exciting that the this has been something in the 90s, like according to the movies, these guys show up. And so this could sow the seeds for a lot of fun later happening to things now. You know, yeah. like there could be, you know, the big hint that maybe all the heroes that we know aren't necessarily heroes that we know, you know, and that would be... That'd be a, also a way to sneak in some other casting. <laughs> like, yeah. <laughs> um, I, yeah. You know, uh, for me, like, uh, I keep, uh, I have trouble keeping Kree's and Skrulls uh, separate in my brain for some reason. Like, I, we were talking about this before the the, the show, and I was like, oh, yeah, did you see the, the pictures of the Kree? And you're like, what? I'm like, well, yeah. the Kree are blue skin. Yeah, I know, like, but the, for the, whatever the reason, I, yeah. I can't. I can't seem to separate them out in my brain. But uh, on that topic, Ronan, uh, the accuser, is in this movie. Yeah, as Lee a, Pace. I know that guy's name. I Lee Pace. Jamie Lee Curtis out the door of my brain. Lee Pace. Yeah. And uh, I'm not even going to try to say his name. Uh, I think he was. Is it Korak or uh, uh, where is it at up here? At, um. Uh, Digimon Hanzu. Yes, that's, that's probably... but his character's name was was it Korath? Yes. Okay. Um, I was going to be able to say that a lot easier than his actual <laughs> name, unfortunately. But I didn't want to obliterate it either. But I it was... looks like he's part of um, the the Kree. Oh no, no, no. The Nope, not Nope. What is? What, what's the? It's Shi'ar, right? Are they the Shi'ar? Well, no, the Shi'ar is X Men, right? Um, yeah. But yeah. Uh, it says in the article that they're called Star Force. So. Maybe that's just what it's called in the movie. Yeah, I don't know, but it's it's that same. It's the Captain Marvel outfit, but blue and green that yeah. that um, Captain Marvel wears, and then eventually becomes the red, uh, blue, and gold. But yeah, seeing uh, Korath there, it's uh, interesting that there's a little bit of story there. Not that not that we need prequels to go all the way back, but here's a character that we didn't know anything about Guardians of the Galaxy, and we're actually getting story about him, and it's a good actor. I, I think it's fun, and bringing back Lee Pace as Ronan the Accuser. I mean, they wouldn't do that without purpose. So right. I, like, I like that he has his hammer. 
Uh, he that would be great if it's just like you should take some dance lessons. He'll be like, this will never come up ever in ruling the galaxy. And be like, come on, you got to get some dance lessons. That will never, I will never need dance lessons. It is ninety. It is the nineties. So I hope at one point he says it's hammer time. It's hammer time. That would be great. But uh, yeah, no, I uh, I do think also because those two actors are both really good actors as well. It's nice to see them get put into a movie, and it's not. I don't feel like, and it's. I can't say this for certain because we're only looking at photos, but like it seems like it's going to be natural to the plot and not like we just shoehorned them in. Yeah. So. Yeah. It's funny how the guards, of the galaxy stuff is like the most um, approachable and malleable bringing it in. And, you know, I wonder who's responsible for a lot of that, but yeah. anyway, so um, yeah, I'm excited. Like I, I, this has been long overdue for captain Marvel to show up. And I think they're going to give her a proper introduction. So that way, when the, the second part of the Avengers infinity war comes out and she shows up, everyone's going to be, everybody's just going to be just as excited for her as they were when they saw black Panther and in infinity war. I mean, do you think the after credit scene is just her getting Nick Fury's signal? Like, <laughs> like <laughs> and her being just, like, I got to go to earth. It goes forward 20, like 20 years and, and it's like her her pager fires off and everyone's like, what's going on? And she still she has the exact same style pager, <laughs> like from the yeah. Cause she she this comes out before the second uh, yes. Infinity War, whatever they're calling it. Um, so yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if they they did that or revealed somebody as a Cree or as a scroll. See, but it could be a scroll playing a Cree. You don't yeah. know that. So yeah, <laughs> all right. So yeah. Anyway, like with the rampant speculation, um, we're not like. Did you see in the background? There's mountains. Maybe she's on Earth. I don't know, but. And there, there's some other stuff they hinted that too, like one of her, because she's in the Air Force, one of the pilots she's with is uh, uh, Maria uh, Ram- Rambeau, uh, who is the character Photon from uh, the Avengers. Like, uh, that's a deep cut, and it's cool that... Yeah, you actually, pointed out, I didn't even... Because yeah, I looked at these photo- photos previous to they recording. They have her call sign as Photon, so it's like, that's kind of a nice little nod. Who knows if she'll be the character, but if so, it's kind of almost like a um, when they did with... Um, uh, with the War Machine, when they hinted at him in the first the first Iron Man film with Rhodey, like yeah, showing like showing the armor, he's like next time, you know. So who knows? But yeah, so it's worth mentioning and seeing young two eyed Nick Fury. Yep. Um, before he got on the snake, that uh, playing with all the snakes. I would, <laughs> I would love if that was tied into the Marvel Universe. It was Turns the, out this is before he took that job at Jurassic Park. It was the Serpent Society that was actually <laughs> behind all that. Uh, and I get they de-aged him for this. Like this, the photo they're showing from the film, you can't tell. No, you know, so, uh, um, you know, some actors don't look like they age that much. I never really felt that he aged like, you know, much over his time, but yeah. he definitely looks younger here. Uh, it'll be cool to see if they can actually finally perfect that. Yeah. Well, I mean, even in Civil War, I thought Tony Stark looked pretty good in that like little bit that they oh, have of him. Yeah. Well, there was so much reference to Robert Downey Jr. Yeah. He looks kind of exactly like he did in Weird Science. He does. But when you think about how many movies he was in, how many photos, how many covers of everything in that time, you had so much good reference material yeah. of him at that age. Like and then Sam Jackson's been acting forever too, so I'm sure there's plenty of reference material. But it's like there, you know, and, and even Michael Douglas, like when they de-aged him for Ant Man, like he it looked it looked good. Like even yeah. even Ant Man and the Wasp, like it was a little like you got with it. And Michelle Pfeiffer, it was fine. It's just that there's that uncanny valley that's still there a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, anyway, so Captain Marvel, there's pictures. Go look at them. Uh, third story, real quick. We just want to wish a happy birthday to Mr. Michael Keaton, aka the Batman. Uh, happy birthday, he, Batman. He, he was born. 
1951, and since I can't do math, we're going to figure out how old that is. 67. 67. All right, is that what it says there? Is that <laughs> no, I'm just doing math in oh, my yeah, head. Oh, yeah, I guess. That, oh, yeah, he's 67. So Batman's 67, and he's having a resurgence in his career, which is great, you know? And he doesn't look 67 to me. He no. looks... He, he looks actually uh, like he's primed to uh, make a Dark Knight Returns type movie. I would uh, be okay with that. Yeah. yeah. Um, and, you know, I'm, I'm glad that he, like, well, his, big, his big return was, um, oh, what was it? Um, it wasn't the founder. It was, uh, no, it was Birdman. It was not Birdman. Was Birdman his? his was, yeah. Bird, was, Bird, was that called Birdman? Well, yeah, it's called Birdman. But That was um, his big, like, his big comeback. Because I thought that, his big comeback was, like, Toy Story 3, and then, like, because he was the voice of Ken in that, and then oh. I, I felt like... There was something else in there. Um, I don't know, but there's a Tenacious D short he was in called Time Fixers. No, I need to watch it. Because um, he was know. in RoboCop, and, and that was before Birdman, right? Or is it the same year? Um, it did suddenly, like, he was just in everything. Um, not everything, but, like, it was clearly that he was he was working again pretty regularly. Is it called Birdman? Yeah, Birdman, or The Unexpected Virtue of Ignorance. I guess that's another name. I need, I need to watch Birdman. I have not watched it. I, like, I started to watch it, and I realized that like it, the condition I was watching it in, in the sense of like there was so much noise going on around me, I'm like, I cannot watch this right now. It's but. a good film. Um, the only criticism that I have of it is I wish it would have ended about 10 minutes earlier. That's, well, that's fair. Yeah, but uh, but yeah, uh, happy birthday, Michael Keaton. Um, also, he was the other guys. If you remember, he was the chief, but also worked at Bed Bath and Beyond. Oh yeah, and he would also be quoting uh, TLC lyrics every so often. They'd be like, "Come on, come on." He's like, "What are you talking about?" It's like that's a TLC lyric. He's like, <laughs> you know, like he would just admit to, like he would just like p- pretend not being a fan. But like, guys, don't go chasing waterfalls. Uh, so yeah, no, I'm glad he's back. I'm glad he's back. And like the, the I've I love Michael Keaton, and it's like I. One of the underappreciated films that he was in was uh, The Dream Team. You know, I haven't seen that in ages. <laughs> I always go to, like, people always bring up uh, Clean and Sober, which he's fantastic in that. But uh, there's a movie called One Good Cop, um, and he's really good in that. I haven't um, seen that. Yeah, I would recommend that. It's, I mean, it's you can take it for what it is by the title, but, I mean, uh, he's really good in it. But I mean, he, he's in Dream Team. I, I don't know. You haven't seen Dream Team in forever. It, it I don't think I've seen it since oh. the early '90s. That's him, Christopher Lloyd, and um, oh, uh, Young Frankenstein. Um, uh, what's his name? Uh, the guy I who played Frankenstein. Face. Um, uh, <laughs> Ray Romano's father on uh, everything. Yeah. That's. Uh, Wow! Will you stop bringing people up whose names we can't remember? Can I, can I stop? Yeah. Uh, let's see. Here's Giant Dangerously, the Beetlejuice. You're all just yelling it at us, and uh, yeah. wherever you're listening to the podcast. Where'd Hopefully, you you're at work, and like for no reason at all, you're just yelling a name. Um, it's Peter something, right? Uh, Peter Boyle. Peter Boyle. Jesus Christ! What's wrong with me? Yeah. Uh, I think we should have a new segment of like I'll just give you like characters and see if you can name the actors. Yeah, and I'll do well there. But if I'm trying to bring it up in like in, in the smooth flow conversation, nothing. But yeah, the dream team. It, I, I see that like probably in the past five years, I know I show it to Mary because there's the bit Peter Boyle believes that he is Jesus Christ, and he. But whenever he starts like you know prophesying, he always starts getting naked. 
And so there's just a bit like, I, I don't know. I, it, that's not the important part of the context. He just walk into a church and starts preaching and everybody starts like, you know, go along with it. He just starts taking his clothes off as he's preaching and, and people start not being as enthusiastic as it goes along. <laughs> but there's a bit, there's this, this quick like background gag where they're walking through a hospital. He touches somebody's like body and he says, arise and walk my son. And the scene goes on in the background. I see this guy try and get up off a gurney and just face plants on the floor. <laughs> and it's great. Um, but yeah, anyway, uh, happy, happy birthday, Michael Keaton. And sorry, I can't remember other people's names. So yeah, that's, that's going to do it, uh, for all our wonderful Halloween and food news. So come I'll, back next week where I tell you about a sampler platter I ate somewhere else. Yeah. So let's just get on to our, our feature presentation. And now for our feature presentation. Like, I could say Mark Mothersbaugh did the music for the show. I can remember that off the top of my head. I can't remember, you know, Disenchantment. I, I kept writing Disenchanted and Steve kept correcting me. Like, I can remember all those things, but, you know, forget about it. It is weird else. what sticks out in your brain. I don't know what's wrong with me Not anymore. you. I'm like, just saying in no, general. I, I feel like, like I'm just a hard drive that's now hit max capacity. <laughs> so, But I keep trying to shove the same information in, but facts are slipping out the corners. So every time now that I'm going to remember now, you know... Um, Peter Boyle, something else is going to go out, like out the door. <laughs> like, uh, so anyway, we're, we're talking about the Netflix series Disenchantment. Uh, Matt Groening created it um, along with Josh Weinstein, who I, I apologize. I'm not sure who that is. However, he is uh, one of the uh, main people behind some of the earlier seasons of The Simpsons. Okay. Okay. So this will be the third animated series that was uh, created or co-created by Matt Groening. Of course, Simpsons are still going on. Futurama uh, lived and died and lived and died and then finally died. Not finally as an overstay, it's welcome. It just it never got renewed at um, Cartoon Network, I think, was the ones that had it last. And so this one, uh, this like so the S- Simpsons is family, you know, sitcom style zaniness. Futurama is sci-fi family zaniness. And Disenchantment is fantasy kind of friends and family zaniness. Um, just to, before we get into, I guess, before we get into this a little bit more in depth, uh, overall, like, did, did you like this? Did you not like this? I did like it, but I will say it took me a while to get into it. Okay. Um, and I don't know that that's really necessary, the fault of this show. Um, so I am a very big fan of The Simpsons. Um, admittedly, I've not been a regular watcher for a very long time, but I think that everybody has that point in their life where like they loved The Simpsons, and I, I still, like, the first ten seasons of that show to me are, like, gold. Um and then Futurama, um, the original four first seasons, I watched those over and over again. Um, when the show started, I immediately started making comparisons to that show. Certain things felt very much like we've just taken the model of Futurama and applied it to fantasy, um, in the sense that uh, Bean felt very much like your fry surrogate. Um, Lucy, who is a demon, felt very much like Bender. And then um, Elfo felt a little bit like... I don't want to say exactly that she felt like Neela, but... Um, well, Elfo felt like uh, Fry a little bit in the sense... Well, as well. I mean, well... Yeah. They're a little rule-reversed, but I yeah. mean... It, it, the trio of characters, I think, that first grafted onto me and reminded me of Futurama. Mm-hmm. Um, and it wasn't until the characters started to be, develop their quirks that I think that the show really started to 
pick up with me. Okay, so I I, I think this is worth mentioning because last week we talked about Weird Al and how he you know was kind of a bedrock for a lot of what we appreciate. And then you mentioned the first ten seasons of The Simpsons. Uh, that's also one of those things that was very much building block for me. So I, I, I've grown up around Matt Groening stuff, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so um, I think I cling closer to Futurama because even though you mentioned the first half of the series, I still feel like even if the last couple of seasons may not have hit as hard at times, I still feel like the writing, the, the, the quality of the storytelling was still really high and it was always still inventive. Um, and, you know, that... The talk about some characters took a while to kind of get going. Like Hermes didn't come out like come out into his own until a little later. Uh, Zoidberg was kind of a one note joke to start, but then he ended up getting some depth. Like this, that's just what happens over time. You start finding different roads to travel down. Um, the thing about about Disenchantment is that we only got ten episodes. I know there's supposed to be uh, like ten more coming. I think uh, of this first season or however they want to they want to say it. Um, so. I feel like the expectations were pretty high for us to understand what was like in terms of identifying with the characters immediately. However, this show is way more serialized than the Simpsons and Futurama. Futurama had, I mean, over the course of seasons, there were things that would develop like the Fran Lila relationship, but it wasn't uh, consequences from one episode directly going into the next one. Uh, this is way I more serialized. earlier, didn't I? I just realized that instead of Leela. Yeah. Sorry. Okay. I, I can't ER. remember names of people, you know. So, so uh, <laughs> I feel like this was uh, this one. This one's interesting to me. Like I enjoyed it. Um, the The first couple episodes were a little, a little bit. It, 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 again, it's a new show. What, what were my expectations? You know, mm-hmm. and um, I immediately gravitated towards Lucy, the demon. I yeah. don't know. I I'm tickled by this character because it's like he is just he is like he says he's an enabler and so anytime there's an opportunity to make a bad decision he's always there just like poking everybody in the ribs of like you know you want to do it like I know it's very much like Bender but Bender just like didn't care Lucy's point is to create chaos right and, and but then he starts to end up caring about the people around him a little bit so against his uh you know his his um intentions he starts showing a little bit of like well maybe i should probably help out right but but (laughs) even then he still wants to to be a demon i don't know i like the character a great deal but how did you feel about the serialization of the series from from one through ten because everything built off of everything else so that's the one thing that i feel like i i wouldn't say it's a disadvantage but um perhaps it's the fact that like both Futurama and the Simpsons, I got to love over time mm-hmm. um, and a half hour at a time. Uh, no, granted I had to watch all this, you know, within a sh- short amount of period of time for the show for yeah, us to discuss it. Cause I'm a slave driver. And I was like, Steve, <laughs> you've got to watch 10 episodes of a cartoon <laughs> so we can talk about it. No, but like, like, let me finish sample platter first. I'm like, Sampler platter, yeah. Finish up. No, no. Don't fit. You get the, you watch cartoons, then you get your sampler platter. <laughs> I feel like certain things are absolutely easily bingeable, and I kind of feel like this would have worked better if I'd have been able to rest in between. Um, even though they've built it to be binged, like they've they've connected everything. Mm-hmm. The entire first season is one long story in in a lot of sense. I mean, there's certainly diversions within that story, but everything's connected. Um, and I, I do feel like maybe had this aired on a on like a Fox or you know um, a regular network, um, it might have. I think time might have benefited my adjusting to it a little bit better. Um, but again, 
like when Futurama came back, uh, they released the four movies. I think about I don't know, like a couple months apart each. Yeah, it was um, over the course of one year, so like one every three months. You know, and there were certain points where like those felt like oh, we had three episodes and jammed them into one movie. Yeah. Um, and this doesn't have that feeling. But I just felt like maybe if it had a little bit more time to breathe, because also like there's no set time. I guess that's a benefit to being on Netflix, in that the some episodes are like 38 minutes, some episodes are like 22 minutes. Um, I, I feel like in the case of like um, animation, and in terms of well, even like uh, there's other shows on Netflix that I feel like because the the end times. I didn't mean to cut you off. I'm sorry. Uh, that the that they don't necessarily have to stick like to exact minute count. Mm-hmm. I feel like that then you don't have to have as much um, caring about editorial concerns in terms of like the overall feel of something, right? So, like um, uh, a, a good example of that would be on um, on Hulu when Parks and Rec was running. They would always put out the episode, then they'd also release what they'd call the producer's cut, which is usually five or six minutes longer, that had stuff in it that they felt wasn't their strongest to make it into the 24-minute you know, yeah. window. And I'd watch those because I, I always wondered what the other jokes were. But there's reasons why they made those decisions. You know, and with this um, being with The Simpsons being 24 minutes in Futurama, like, I mean, whatever you want to say the average runtime is, I feel like with these going 30 minutes, there are times where it's like, I, you know, it could have been tighter, and some of the some of the jokes I feel like fell flat probably could have just been cut, you yeah. know, and made for it. Because I'm not saying I wasn't entertained. The, the, like there are things about the show that I like. The, like Matt Grading and company always know how to write a good sign. Like there's always a lot of fun signs, a lot of good signage around. Like what was the one for the the one uh, nunnery called Live Prude Girls? Like yeah. that was uh, our our sister of continuing uh, chastity or where it was. <laughs> but, and, like some of that was funny. Um, Mud Ruckers was the name of one restaurant. Like there, <laughs> like there's a lot of there's a lot of silly. Like with the flying scepter was kind of a nice. That was a nice running joke because the king would get mad and just whip a, ce- a scepter out of his uh, his castle and ended up landing near the bar. So the bar called itself because it was always scepters all over the place. Like there's decent. There, there's good jokes in there, and um, I liked where some of it was going. I. There, there are more dramatic beats in this, and I think they're rushed and forced on you before you really get a chance to really care about the characters. And because of that, I feel like they kind of pull the, the the sheet out from under you a little bit, and it's not necessarily earned. Mm-hmm. That's so, because I, I feel like when you got to some of the dramatic beats in Futurama, that was seasons later. You know, um, you, you mentioned whatever the episode is with Fry's dog. Like no one wants to talk about that episode because it, <laughs> it, uh, uh, everybody's like I, that ending, you know, and it's yeah. like it's it's a very you know sad ending. After anyone who's ever had a dog <laughs> knows that like the second you leave, that's exactly what you think is happening is that the the dog is just sitting there waiting for you to come back. So yeah, so I the last episode that is the cliffhanger of this, and I'm not going to get into the specific spoilers because if people haven't watched this. Give it a chance. I mean, it's five hours total. Uh, it's ten episodes. You can burn through it. <laughs> I just like um, you're like, give it a chance. It's only five hours well, of your no, time. Seriously, like versus. Um, I'd say watch a few episodes and, and then go. Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> but I'm not gonna give away like you know like what's happening. But but they do they do set things up to be majorly different. But then I also wonder with it being a cartoon and animated show. Um, does that mean they're really going to change things? Is it, you only got 10 episodes with these, these people in the status quo before you're going to upend it. Like I, uh, I don't know. 
I don't know how many times you could change things repeatedly and still have attention and still tell. I, I'm talking myself into a corner because Archer does this every season. They kind of reset things and it, and it works to a degree. Uh, Venture brothers constantly change, but that's over the course of like seven seasons and 12 years. Um, Bojack Horseman, which is a good analog to some of this because that's a show that pretends to be a cartoon animal, like funny talking show, but then deals with serious issues of mental depression. Um, I, there is, there's something to be said for all that, but I just, I, with Matt Greening, I, I don't know if it is him just growing as a creator where he wants to have more emotional beats or is it because we live in this nature of Netflix but that if you binging something over five hours, you want something a little bit more meatier than just a joke, jokes and jokes and jokes for a half hour and then on to the next episode. Yeah, but I will also say that like uh, the character that grew the most for me in this show was King Zog, uh, voiced by John DiMaggio. I I really thought he was going to be gone after like the first episode for some reason. I I felt that he was just going to be like... um Oh, God. Uh, there's a character that he did on Futurama who uh, just happened to be a jack-of-all-trades, and whenever they needed, like, a surly guy, he was always the uh, surly, like, like... the surly truck driver guy? Yeah. Like, but it's the same... It's, it's almost the same, same voice, voice. Yeah. 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 But I was like, oh, that's the king of this show. But he actually has a very big arc once you get towards the end of the series. Um, I shouldn't say the series, the first ten episodes. <laughs> um, but his character grew on me a great bit. I thought he was going to be just very one-note, um, and I, I really enjoyed him uh, over the, the course of the series. Um, I will say that his wife... Not so. When I say his wife, his You're talking about Queen Una, yeah, um, or the, the 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 whatever amphibian. She's oh, kind of an afterthought. I'm looking and... at the Dream Team cast. Thought that, that uh, this <laughs> shit, but I'm like, why is Michael Keaton all over this? Yeah, uh, yeah, Queen Una, uh, um, who I wish they like. That's one of those characters that I thought they were, they were going to get more into, and they right. didn't. You know, um, so you kind of get a little bit of both. Like, I feel like King Zog grows on you, but we don't get anything but one note stuff from Queen Una, unfortunately. Um, but let's talk about Bean as, as the main character. Yeah. Um, I really liked the fact that her whole thing is is that uh, she's not allowed to do anything because her father's the king, but at the same time, she's also kind of like not good at anything. <laughs> like,. <laughs> I like yeah. the fact that she just kind of accidentally messes things up. Um, like at the beginning of the, the show, like the first episode, she she comes in uh, and she's basically hammered, and uh, she takes her her like top off and walks out of the uh, um, out of the the courtroom uh, or whatever. What what would you call it? Is that the king's the the, the, the king's court? Yeah, yeah. sure. Yeah. Um, and he, you know the king is like anybody who looks at my daughter is going to be killed. And then one guy walks in, he's like, "Whoa, everybody see that princess or whatever?" And he's just like, "Oh, yeah, yeah. like yeah." But I, I liked the fact that like she kind of starts from this place of being similar to Bender in some ways, I guess, uh, or Fry in that uh, she's sort of a, a screw up. But it also becomes more of a story point about her not being able to do the things that she wants to because of her place and the fact that when she does get to do those things, she kind of screws them up. Um, but not in like a she's terrible way, but in that like she tries, they just yeah. don't work out. Like the one the, the one gag that should have like 
I don't know. It, it the it's a funny joke on paper, but it doesn't play very well. Is when she goes through a series of jobs and she keeps messing them up, and then the one thing is like she's like covered in blood, has a butcher like a, a, a <laughs> like um a. I don't know, a cleaver, a butcher's cleaver. And then she's like, okay, I cut them all up. And the guy's like, this is a pet store. <laughs> like, like it's a, something about, it didn't land quite well, but it's a funny joke. It's like, yeah. you know, she misunderstood her job in Rome was just butchering animals, you know? Like, um, I just, there's always going to be, with, with the Matt Green series, I think that as, as tonally as this thing kind of whips back and forth, they know how to tell a good joke. And there's a couple in there that do stick pretty well. Like, uh, there's a weird thing with like an eyes wide shut partying underneath the castle that they just hint at. Yeah. And like, you know, and it's like at one point it's like, um, they, they, like they're like, okay, we'll be gone, but come back later if you want to type of thing. <laughs> like, you know, like it just something about that. And then, um, uh, what was it? Uh, the, the giant, uh, what was her name? Tess, the giant, how everyone thought she was a monster and she just had a horse stuck in her throat, which yeah. they don't ever explain why she decided to eat the horse to begin with. But you know, and then suddenly she's a grad student that has feelings. It's like, that's, you know, that feels very Futurama to me, but I enjoyed, but they also kind of brought her back too. She wasn't just yeah. like a one-off, one-off character. I liked the fact too, that like she could see everything. Like she gets this magical eyeball basically. And she see the truth for what it is. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, when she comes back, the eyeball's gone and she's like, I just couldn't take it. And then, and then was it Lucy? The demon was like, yeah, she's like, I just couldn't handle seeing truth every single day. She's, he's like, yeah, most humans can't or whatever. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a series worth watching. It's just like there, there are, there's something about it. It might just be because it's a brand new thing and you had a, a new right. Like, I mean, it's writers that have written other things, but they're creating this show and they want it to be its own thing. Um, it's just, there's something that just didn't feel qu- quite on point the entire time. And I can't put my finger on what it was. Yeah. I mean, again, like I said, when I stopped, like making comparisons to Futurama or the Simpsons in the sense of like what I should be expecting or what I'm getting. Um, and I guess when I was earlier, when we started the conversation, I was like, Oh, well, you know, clearly so-and-so's Bender and clearly so-and-so's Leela. And, you know, now that I think about it, I, I, that was more or less what I was trying to say was, is that, uh, having a triad of characters, um, be the center of the story. That was what felt Futurama-ish to me, and they all seem to have the characteristics of those characters mixed in between them. Might have been a better way to put that. Yeah. Um. But I don't know. I still do feel like the show was designed to be binged, and I feel like it, it is a show that would probably be better off spending some time off between episodes, at least for me personally. Yeah. Because um, like when I think back to when Futurama started, um. I really liked it, but I didn't. I felt like there were some missed opportunities, not missed opportunities. There were things that didn't quite land the way they should have in some of the early episodes. But then there are great jokes, like in um, I think it's the second or third episode. Uh, Fry is depressed, and uh, Bender looks at him and he's like, uh, uh, he says something about being a jerk, and Bender's like, yeah, but everybody's a jerk. You, me, this jerk, and he's just pointing to a guy behind him. And you just see like the guy's face coming up over the, um, over the, the the seat, and like it's those types of jokes that had me coming back. And there's enough of that in this series that I think, had I been able to like watch it a little bit more brisker or on a weekly basis, I would still come back because there were jokes that I enjoyed. And I would have, like I said, because by the time I got to the end of this first 
10 episodes, I did finally gel with the cast or the, the characters. How do you feel about the character of Elfo? I, I get that. Like, I think he's funny in certain instances, but I don't know that he entirely works. I, that's that's probably a good way to describe that. Like, it's not like I'm, I'm not going to be writing like an angry letter campaign. But like, Matt Greening, how dare you come <laughs> up with this character called Elfo? Like, there's the running joke that all the people in Elfwood, all the elves have, whatever their trait is, is their name plus the letter O at the yeah. end of it. It's like you had... Um, Oh, what was it? the shot? Was it Shaco? Was the elf that was always gasping at everything that was going on? But it's like all of them had like jobs, like Smurfs. Yeah. But he he's just called Elfo. Like he that's all he is is just an elf. And I mean, there's there's other things about that, but it's like they even comment on the series being like, yeah, it feels a little on the nose. <laughs> like, um, I don't mind him kind of being like the the eyes of wonder of the world around him and being like generally seeing you know the goodness and everything. I think you kind of need that, especially with Lucy being, you know, the the a literal evil, you know, yeah. influence, right? So you got that angel and and devil like thing going on, but for you know, for Beans, um, not soul, but her well being, right? But I feel like there's times where <laughs> I think they're rushing the romance aspect of it really fast. Also, I don't know if it's really needed. Because, I mean, you talk about correlations, like the Fry and Leela thing. Fry was always about Leela, no matter what. Leela yeah. took a while to, to be about Fry. But it's like, do we really need this kind of, like, talk in the very first few episodes? Like, give it, give me a reason to care about everybody, and then maybe, and maybe hope, you know? Well, Elfo kind of took a 180 for me as well, in the sense that, like, when we first meet him, he just wants to get out. Like, yeah. he's like... I'm tired of being happy all the time. I'm tired of, you know, I want to feel misery and pain and, you know, I want to experience these things. And then as soon as he's out, he's suddenly like always happy. Like, yeah, you know, like he doesn't really like, we don't get an experience with him. Um, and I, I feel like that kind of got lost somewhere in writing the show. Um, you know, and that happens a lot of times. If you look at the first season of a lot of shows, there's a lot of times where characters start off one way and become something else as the writers write them more. Yeah, um, I mean, like, if you look at the first season of Parks and Rec, Leslie Nope was supposed to be, like, Michael Scott from The Office, yeah. and they they started turning her into something. I mean, she was still wanting to, you know, always do best and be good at what she did, but she she didn't have the same failings as Michael Scott. Yeah. And, and, and uh, Parks and Rec, like, that for the first season of that, the first six episodes, is, is a different show than the rest of that series. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and uh, you know, I, I feel like that's kind of where they started with Elfo, and it just lost steam. Um, I also think that uh, it works better when Lucy is encouraging him, but for like purely stupid reasons. Like, <laughs> yeah, I just, there's just that bit though when Elfo is like punching Lucy you know, like in the face <laughs> repeatedly, and he's like, "Oh, I see." He's like. You're, you're punching me still. And he's like, yeah, because I don't know what you're going to do when I stop. Like, <laughs> like, that was a funny bit of just like, I'm going to keep punching you because I don't know what's what you're capable of after. Like that, yeah. And just something about, I like that Lucy is a demon. He doesn't look like anything other than like, I, I don't know. Like They keep referring to him as a cat, cat which I thought like, was I, funny. Yeah. And it's, but then he also has like cat-like tendencies at times where you're like, you know, people pet him on the head and he's happy about it. <laughs> yeah. and it's like all this stuff. And it's like, yeah, I like that they keep t- saying you're talking cat, and it's like he doesn't—he doesn't look quite like a cat, but I, but I like, I like him. I like that they've also haven't like. There's a bit where the king's telling his backstory, and he's like, "Well, how did you become a demon?" He's like, 
I'm going to run away while I think of an answer to that. And like, you don't know his story and I don't need to know his story. It's only 10 episodes. You right. Know? Like, and just, I don't know. I feel like they're, they're supposed to be a, they're, they're setting the stage for something different for Elfo, something for Bean. And it's like, it's, I don't know if it's too soon. Maybe, maybe I'm like, I don't, maybe me being the observer and never writing a TV show, maybe I should have more faith. You know, maybe I should believe in the magic that is disenchantment that they know where they're going with this. Yeah, I mean, I would not say that, you know, I, I definitely liked it, like I said, but it did take a time time for me to get into it. And, you know, when I think back on the character of Bean, you know, I think the thing that I did like about her the most is, is that, you know, for somebody who has, you know, been a Simpsons fan since it originally started 30 years ago. God, I'm old. He he liked um, it before it was cool. No, it was cool. <laughs> you know, there was the dumbing down of Homer, who had already started off dumb, but he he like seasons three and four, he started he, down that path. Yeah, he starts going down that path pretty quick, and his brain's like, "All right, I'm out of here." They, they show that one episode where you see it as the cartoon brain leaves out the door, like, "All right, I'm done." And Fry literally is his own grandfather. So, like, <laughs> yes. you know, I what I like about Bean is is that she doesn't easily fall into that like stupid character. Like, because she's clearly the lead of the show, she doesn't fall into that Homer or Fry mode, at least in that aspect. No, she's not stupid. Um, she, I, I, I like that you know, she is a challenging character, not in a difficult way, but she, you're right, she wants to be something else. She doesn't necessarily want to be a queen. Uh, she wants to go adventure. She wants to go see the world. She wants to have purpose. And she feels that sitting in a castle is not purpose. And yeah. she doesn't want to be the, the next in line, you know? And I, so you respect that. There is kind of a Leela thing to that where it's like, no one's going to put me in a box. I'm going to define yeah. myself. But I like that, you know, there's times where she does things like on the adventurer side that work out perfectly well for her. But it's like, but when she has to think about something and, and try to put a plan in action, that's when it falls apart. And, uh, there's a bit, was it earlier in the, the season when they all get high and she has this whole like monologue about them making a band. And then she's like <laughs> talking about the, like the rise and fall of the band and then like they're reuniting and everything. It's like, it's like this minute and a half like thing that, uh, the, uh, the person who voices me, uh, Abby Jacobson does an amazing job she of like, carrying this conversation <laughs> that no one else is involved with about this band that her and, uh, Elfo and Lucy are going to be in. And then it just kind of all like, she goes to this whole like behind the music thing of it. <laughs> <laughs> and then ends up right back where she started. And she's like, it's all about them just clapping. It was, yeah. like, <laughs> it was like, that was funny. I liked that a lot. And I feel like her, her delivery was good. Like that's the other thing too, is that on these Matt Groening shows, you get the right actors to play these parts, which bums me out that I know Billy West. I didn't realize I kept seeing his name in the credits every time. I didn't know who he was. He was source sorcero sorcerio. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like great. He's kind of like the wizard, Dr. Farnsworth, but not, yeah, he's even I mean, he's competent. got a couple other bit parts. He's yeah. the um, the court jester, I think, and uh, a couple of other incidental voices. Um, but at the same time, I was looking over the cast, and I will say that it is surprising that there aren't more um, of the graining, uh, like, I don't want to say cast, but like, uh, you know, John DiMaggio, uh, Trust McNeil, David Herman, Maurice LaMarche and Billy West, that's pretty much all people who came from Futurama, uh, although I think Tress was even on The Simpsons before Futurama. Yeah, I think so. Um, when it comes to Abby Jacobson, Eric Andre, yeah. Nat Faxon, and actually somebody that I wanted to mention um, was, um, can you scroll down? Because uh, 
Yeah, I see the full cast list. Uh, Matt Matt Barry. Um, if anybody's ever watched the IT Crowd, um, he's on that, and he's hilarious on that. So when I heard his voice, he's he's Prince Merkimer in the show. Um, when I heard his voice, I was excited because it's like, oh, like that's great. But he's only in four episodes, unfortunately. <laughs> um, and he's he's really funny in the show as well. And I hope they bring him back because at this point, by the end of the the first ten episodes, he's been transformed into something else. So <laughs> yeah, I, which I, again, I I wasn't expecting that to come back, but it did, and it yeah. was fun, you know. Um, and that's good. That that's part of like that's part of the Futurama vibe where it's like they. As much as we talk about that there isn't uh, an ongoing story, the continuity of that show is so tight where if something does happen, it stays that way. Yeah. You know? it, it doesn't automatically do a complete reset, which The Simpsons, you could argue that there have been changes over the course of you know 30 seasons. A lot of it is you know chaos, rinse, repeat, reset for the next episode. Yeah, and I mean, I think that's actually part of the charm of The Simpsons is, is that they're not beholden to being stuck to you know, the same thing that they were 30 years ago. I think that that's why it's probably still around. If it was continuing a story from 30 years ago, I mean... (laughs) But, like, what was... There's even that episode where they ended up moving the entire town, like, so many miles south, and then that was the end of the episode, and they never referenced it again. Yeah. But then you come to the next one, and and Springfield is exactly the way it was, and it's, like... And no one talks about it, you know? So, yeah, I just... um, so I do like I do like that um, I feel like maybe because of the serialization of this, it is taking that Futurama continuity and amping it up, you know. Mm-hmm. And then you talk about comparison, like even even the Wizard's Tower has a wooden frame that looks like the top of the Planet Express uh, building. Yeah, and it's like it, that can't be not on purpose, you know. And uh, just in some of the voices, and I know, I guess there's a uh, um, there's a point where someone they're doing some of the wigs in early episodes, and one of the, one of the wigs you see is actually Fry's hair. So oh, I, think, I didn't notice that. Yeah, and I kept waiting for other things to show up too. So, I, yeah, I just it, I I do like this. I can't say I was like gut busting laughing watching it though. Like there was times where I'd you know I'd laugh, but it wasn't like you know I. I've had moments watching The Simpsons where I couldn't even breathe laughing at stuff. And I've had moments on, on Futurama where it just kind of always comes back around and I'm highly entertained by that and I crack up with a lot of that. I didn't have one of those big, like, uh, guffawing moments of these 10 episodes. Yeah, and I think that's fair. I mean, the when I was talking about the cast, I guess the point that I was trying to make is, is it seems like it's half... Futurama cast and then half completely new people who aren't from the Matt Groening camp. Yeah. Um, and, you know, I do think that mixes it up a little bit. Although, if you'd ask me, you know, while I, I really don't know Abby Jacobson at all, her voice feels very, very almost perfect for that character. Um, that could be, you know, a credit to her voice work or the way the character's written. I'm not entirely sure because I'm not familiar with her work. Um, but she, she feels very much like a Matt Groening style player. Um, and like I said, the, the only person who popped out for me initially was, uh, Matt Berry, but that's because I'm such a huge fan of the IT crowd. Um, and he's got a very distinct voice when you hear it. Um, yeah, but I, I agree with you when it comes to the actual, like, gut busting laugh of laughter that, you know, we've had with the previous series. There wasn't anything that made me laugh that I had, I had a, quite a few good laugh out loud but nothing that like tickled me the way that say like um homer uh you know um sneaking out of the the out of work to go to the brewery or or homer telling the pie 
on uh, what was it the stovetop that he's going to keep coming towards it. And if it doesn't move, <laughs> it's, that's, it's, it's okay to eat it. And then he bangs his head off the top of the oven, like the whatever the shield is, and he falls down and he looks at the pie like it was the pie's fault. Like, <laughs> why, like why is that funny? Like, why is, uh, you know, I don't, I don't know. Like, there's a lot of good Homer moments. But, well, like even Futurama, the second episode, the, the series has landed where they go to the moon. And Bender gets kicked out of uh, the theme park where he's like, fine, I'll go make my own park with hookers and blackjack. <laughs> and then it's whatever. And he says something about like, he's like, and forget the blackjack or whatever he says. <laughs> like I, um, you know, th- the even thing then, I love about that episode is we, that's the, the first time we find out that like magnets uh, make him, him turn into, into a, a, a folk singer. Yeah. And that comes back later in an episode with um, Beck. And that episode, just every time I watch that episode, I roll. Basically, Bender becomes just a head. And yeah, he loses the ability to move his arms and legs, and he yeah. becomes a washboard because of a. He gets stuck to a large can opener. Yeah. Uh, that cuts him, cuts him all, his torso all up. I think they're trying to feed a nibbler or something, and he gets stuck on it. Yeah. And he ends up touring with Beck. I remember that. And he has his, uh, he asks for his rhyming Beckionary or whatever yeah. it is. <laughs> Yeah. So, I mean, we have yet to have that kind of a moment, at least. Uh, and I'm sure everyone out there listening has their own, like, Simpsons or Futurama moments that made them just bust up. But, yeah, I didn't I didn't get that, unfortunately, from this. I still liked it enough to that I'll, I'm in for the second Oh, yeah, I'll watch, I'll, I'll watch the other ones, too. Don't get, you know, but it's just... I, there there seems to be just this thing right now, and, I, and I'm not saying it's a bad thing. It's, Why do you hate this? I don't hate it. Um, <laughs> uh, that like I mentioned, Bojack Horseman, and I know we, we I, we've talked about Rick and Morty previously on the show, where there is this grown up portion of animation now that's starting to deal with the reality of being a grown up. You know, like there's real issues with some of the stuff, and I'm not saying that that it's a bad thing. It, I mean, if this is the direction they want to go and deal with some of this, I, I think that there is some. There, there is something to be said for having the the sweet and the sour, you know. Um, just, I don't know if I need it in every single half hour. Like, I'm not saying that that's. It feels like there was like significant moments of just like, well, this isn't really funny. What's going on with this? And maybe, maybe there's something. There's a payoff with it later. Uh, and maybe also because my expectations, like you were talking about, of it being a Matt Grading series, maybe my expectations are based upon what I believe a Matt Grading series should be. And not the series that they want to make. Yeah, and and maybe that's more on me. I got to adjust my my perception. So yeah, I, I think that's fair. Um, you know, I I I will be curious to hear like how this did. Like I know Netflix doesn't reveal its numbers, and I'm sure that if they've made this ten, the other ten have already been made. So they're probably going to get released regardless yeah but we just came out of a period where netflix for a while was renewing everything and then suddenly there have been like it took them forever to give a season third season to glow which i think is their best show right now yeah um they canceled most of their like talk shows i believe like yeah, the joel the, McHale the, show and, then, and um, yeah the break um, with michelle Wolf. yeah um so it'll be interesting to see is this you know are they expecting simpsons numbers you know are they expecting it you know how well are they expecting it to do and how well does it actually do and we may never find out other than them saying like yeah we didn't renew it you know well and then this also comes in the heels of that uh show paradise pd uh the animated show that's now on netflix that comes from the people that did brickleberry which did, I, i'm sorry what now paradise pd no uh, what was the other word that you used there brickleberry i've never heard of that <laughs> It was a show on Comedy Central. It was an animated show about park rangers. It was supposed to be real raunchy. Uh, the young bear was voiced by Daniel Tosh. Okay. Um, and, and so this is like 
the next series that they, these guys have made, and just the trailer alone is foul. And I don't know, I don't know if that equals funny, but it's like if sausage party is in any mm, indication, then no, 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 no sausage, no. Please, I don't want to think about that movie ever again. Uh, but it, just so. It, <laughs> I think Netflix is taking a gamble on some more animated series. And BoJack Horseman, uh, it's going into its fifth season now, I think. Coming Which is soon. crazy, because I feel like I've heard of it, but I'm like, it's got five seasons? Like, did they you, release them every three months? I, I will say this. Just talking about how I'm like saying that not every single show has to have a serious moment. There is a moment in like season four of that episode where... I was like telling my TV to an animated character to not open a door because of what was like what they may see, like in terms of like things. And I didn't have that. I've never had anxiety watching a cartoon of saying this character doesn't deserve this. Please don't do this to them. And it happened. And it's like it, the movie, the movie, the show is funny, entertaining. And there are moments where I have, uh, I've laughed pretty hard at it, but it's something it just, something about that show it tricked people the first few episodes were trying to be like this like you know like oh ha, we're a funny animated show and the jokes are still there but it purposely and I, the creators flipped the switch about halfway through the, the, the first season where they start introducing these other themes and their, their whole object was to get people kind of hooked on what the show was and then bring out what it's really going to be about mm-hmm. and I, it's it's worth watching like there's uh well, will, will arnett is um the vo- voice of bojack horseman and that guy he has some just amazing line readings no matter what, you know? It sounds like it'd be worth my while. I mean, we've talked in the past about Scrubs, and I think I've mentioned that that's been one of my all-time favorite series, and that was a show that, very much in the same vein, was mainly a comedy show, but then would pull out something that would be just a complete gut punch. Um, and, you know, I, I tend to like that. My wife hates that type of thing, so, mm. um, you know, your mileage may vary, but that's very that's very something that... A, very much something that appeals to me. Do you like Paul F. Tompkins, the comedian, or do you know what I'm talking about? I know, I, yes. I mean, I know his comedy uh, a bit, but I don't I don't know too he, much about he him. He plays Mr. Peanut Butter on BoJack Horseman, so he's a gold retriever that was like a, a star in like these family sitcoms. But he's like this like super upbeat guy, but he kind of has the tendencies of gold retriever. And there's a bit in one of the seasons where he like the they're off off screen he uh gets attacked by a skunk or he provokes a skunk so he's like yo smell like a skunk and he was like i don't know what happened he's like i went into my house and rubbed myself all over the floor and the furniture and i just couldn't get the smell off of me <laughs> and, then, like, and he's like now my whole house smells like skunk why is this so they, they give him a whole bath and like tomato sauce you know tomato juice or whatever it is you do for skunk and he was like okay okay and he's like i i need I need to shake right now. They're like, you can't do that. He's like, but I have to. <laughs> like, so he's like fighting this urge to not like shake like a dog, <laughs> and he does, and this makes everything worse. And it's just like, I don't know. Like I said, the, the, it just you should check out the show. I just, uh, but I just, I love the idea that there's a gold retriever that's just like kind of a man, kind of a dog, but, but still acts like a dog. So uh, anyway, that's not disenchantment. Um, yeah, I just, I, I just wanted to talk about this kind of uh, just space out my feelings about how I felt about it because I kept thinking about it. And I kept coming back to, yeah, I'm glad I watched it. I'm glad that Matt Groening's still creating. I'm glad there's still Matt Groening animated stuff coming on the air. I say this with The Simpsons going into its 30th season. The Simpsons might still be pulling big numbers, and I still think there's good jokes in The Simpsons every so often. I can't watch an episode of The Simpsons now and be satisfied with the story. You know, so that's probably fair. I mean, I I will watch whenever there's a treehouse of of terror and i will those are fun because they're like they're not meant to go further than what they are right but i'm just saying like 
current day, like I will watch that those episodes are given, and then uh, I feel like I watch maybe like every fourth episode of whatever <laughs> the season is because we have Hulu, we don't have cable, so they only keep like I think the first five episodes or the most recent five, yeah, most recent five. So like I will walk away and then realize that ten episodes have aired. And so I'm starting back at like episode six, even though I've only watched, you know, one episode from the first six. So, yeah. Um, and maybe if I had access to all of them at once, I would binge, binge those. But um, I will say too that, like, you know, over the years, uh, yeah, it doesn't have the same allure for me as it did. But at the same time, there's probably a 14 year old kid who is madly in love with The Simpsons, and I'm glad it's still there for him, you know? Yeah. Do you have FX in your cable package? Uh, we don't have a cable package. Oh, well, neither do we. So, but, uh, <laughs> we if have, you had FX, then you'd have access to the Simpsons part of it, where they have all the episodes you can watch. Yeah, I mean, not to go back into talk of uh, Halloween, but like I have, um, I think one through ten on DVD, and I'm considering just going and buying the digital copies of just all the Treehouse of Terror episodes because, like, I. Those are my, like, in October when I, I don't have a lot of time if I can't watch an, an entire movie or something. That's my go-to of, like, getting my little Halloween fix for the day where I can sit down and watch 20 minutes of an episode. Mm -hmm. um, so, uh, I don't know why I brought that up, but, like, that's... <laughs> <laughs> well, no, you don't have FX, so you can't watch all Yeah, of instead of having to go through my discs and, like, pull out one episode for, you know, because like, it's, like, four discs per season... It's just easier to like purchase those digitally and then having them available. Yeah. So, all right. Uh, yeah. Tell us your guys' thoughts about this uh, disenchantment. <laughs> I completely believe uh, dis that. I said disenchanted. Disenchantment. I, I don't. I just. There's only it's two the episodes. Heat. I'm rambling. Yeah. It's only two episodes. I don't want to spoil it. Uh, watch it. See what you guys think. I, there. There's more good than meh about it because yeah. I don't want to say bad. I just there's just there. There's some nice attempts at world building where they show the world map and you see like dreamland which is the kingdom and then you see dankmire which is like the little kingdom southern of them and there's a couple couple references of things that happen in the, the second episode with like a uh, walrus island you see on the map so like they're, they they're already putting things in place that are building this world so there, there's definitely more good than than meh like i said so but yeah tell us your guys thoughts about disenchantment um you know you can tell us on our facebook page uh, it's evasion of the podcast uh we like i remembered finally to put that video up from last week so i hope you guys watched that six days later um and you, know, you can also find us at invasionofthepodcast.com. That's where the blog is. New blog post up today. Not a knockoff film. Spoiler. Uh, I went back and uh, put up. Uh, there was a Western on that year of the Western that I didn't get to. Uh, I finally watched that and wrote about it today. So if you guys want to hear my thoughts or read my thoughts about a, a Thai Western made in 2000 called uh, Tears of the Black Tiger. Everybody's excited for this. Go ahead and read that. Uh, there's, no, there's no animated GIFs on this oh. uh, article so yeah you can find, find us find us there we're on itunes stitcher podbean google music itunes podcasts wherever you get your podcast find us please rate and review us and steve where can people find you additionally well when i'm not rambling like grandpa simpson about nothing <laughs> i uh well, that's, you tie it onion to your belt <laughs> like, you know. back then nickels had bees on them <laughs> uh that's why i'd say can i get five was it trade five things for a bee or yeah. whatever <laughs> 
Uh, I'm going to be at the Scarefest uh, September 14th through the 16th. Uh, wanted to mention that one of the cool things about the Scarefest is it's the only convention that I've ever done that has an, a, a, an actual official vodka. Um, Tito's is the official vodka of the Scarefest, which sounds like the VIP party is probably going to be pretty kick-ass. Um, the guests that are going to be there are Tobin Bell, Jonathan Breck, Shawnee Smith, Costas Manilor, Cassandra Peterson, or as most people know her, Elvira, Julian Sands, Meg Foster, Joe Bob Briggs, Kane Hodder, Tiffany Sheppis, Brink Stevens, Felissa Rose, Sean Whalen, Galen Ross, Scott Reiniger, uh, and uh, Eugene Clark, uh, Darren Lynn Bowsman, uh, Adrian Barbo, I just realized, canceled, but... Uh, yeah, a lot of people. Uh, so if you're into horror and you all know who those people are, if you're a horror fan uh, and you're in the area or want to travel, uh, I would highly suggest coming out to not only see me, but uh, check out the Scarefest. It sounds like it's going to be awesome. Yeah, That's see, where I'll be. see Steve first. <sighs> I... I I, I don't know what I'm doing anymore, so just uh, do that. Go to the SaturdayNightSlasher.com um, and uh, tweet at me at the Saturday Night Slasher or follow me on Instagram. There you go. Perfect. So, all right. Uh, it, it is, so we'll, we'll get to the game in a second. I just got to announce the, what the context of the game is. September is National Chicken Month, so I'm going to ask Steve questions about, about chickens. We'll see how this goes. Time to play the game. Time to play the game! <laughs> I think it's supposed to be like the promotion of eating chicken. I think it's supposed to be like not like National Chicken Month where you just go and be like, oh, there they are, and like pet them. I not don't like National Save the Chicken Month. Sa- yeah, it's National, National Eat the yeah. Chicken. National Eat the Chicken. So these are all questions involving chicken. You'll, you'll see what I mean when I, get, when, when I start asking them. First one first. I'll, the first one first. Yes, that's exactly what I meant to say. Uh, we'll get the weird one out of the way here. Uh, what was the name of the 2006 trauma film about zombie chickens? Oh, um, I know there's Thanksgiving, but I don't think that... I mean, that's a Thanksgiving movie. Mm-hmm. Um, Night of the Chicken Dead? That is the subtitle of the film, but it's called Poltergeist. Poltergeist. Yeah, Poltergeist. Yeah, but it's called Night of the Chicken Dead. You're right. not seen the film. Probably won't. Um what was the name of the rooster on Garfield and Friends? Oh, God. I used to watch that religiously, too. Uh, oh, I'm going to blow this one. Uh, was it Elfo? <laughs> <laughs> it was Roy Rooster was his name. And I did not know that Jim Davis had a comic strip called U.S. Acres or Orson's Farm that ran for like two or three years. And that's where they used that for the cartoon. And the the actual segments, like the years that that cartoon was on, uh, the... Uh, was it um, Garfield and Friends? That actually went longer than the strip. I that, believe it. Yeah. So, yeah. Anyway, uh, what was the name of the fast food chain in Breaking Bad that is a front for distributing meth? Oh, see, here's an interesting thing. I've never seen Breaking Bad. <laughs> so I'm going to say Kentucky Fried Chicken. I almost wore my shirt just to be like, because uh, I have a shirt of this restaurant. I almost wore it, but I'm like, no, Steve, it'll be too easy. It's one of those shows that like everybody tells me that I need to watch, and I just haven't built time in for it. Um, well, once you start watching it, you're not going to stop. Yeah. Because it just keeps, it's, it's El Pollos Hermanos, or the Chicken Brothers. Nice. Yeah. Uh, but I just ruined a part of the show for you. So, by the way, there's I'm one sure restaurant. I'm going to remember that. <laughs> there's, one, there's one restaurant that's a front for uh, moving meth around. Um, this member of the Knights of the Roundtable from Monty Python to Holy Grail acted more like a chicken than what bird he's actually named for. 
I got nothing. It's Sir Robin, Sir Robin the Brave. Uh, the guy, the the minstrel is following him as as he's running away, and he's, he keeps talking about Sir Robin, Sir Robin, and he's like, he's basically calling him a coward. He's like, yeah, I'm not. And as the minstrel is chasing him, okay. I'd All like right. to blame that one on the heat. Yeah. Okay. Next one <laughs> in the film, the jerk Navin is not shown a film about cockfighting, but he's shown a film about what other terrible crime. Remember when the people were trying to ask money, ask for money, and there was oh, a it's priest. cat juggling, cat juggling. Yes, I've seen this before. <laughs> cat, cat juggling. juggling. I didn't realize until I was a little older that that was Steve Martin in the film. Yeah, as well. Like it's one of those things that's like, <laughs> oh yeah, and then he's like juggling the kittens. Like he has he has real kittens that cuts back to him holding fake kittens. He's juggling them, and at one point he one of them falls and hits the edge of the table. And it's just so fast. You're like, he just <laughs> dropped that cat. It's like, you know, not really a cat they dropped, but okay. Um, what was the kind of meat that Champ Kine used in his restaurant chain in Anchorman 2 that he called Chicken of the Cave? <laughs> I've only seen that once. Um, I'm going to say it was boar. It was bat. Bat. Because there was a point where a bat was flying through the restaurant, and then, <laughs> and then also they were talking about uh, cats or something. He was like, "Yeah, chicken of the rail yard, like or something." <laughs> yeah. um, we know Marty McFly doesn't like being called chicken. What did Mad Dog Tannen call him to make him mad? Did he call him yellow? Yeah. Okay. And he's like, nobody calls me yellow. Um, all right. Uh, what dysfunctional TV family does not understand what a chicken sounds like? <laughs> Oh my god! Uh, and they I, they all do their own chicken noises, and none of them are right. Oh my god! I feel like I know this, but I you can't. Do. Uh, oh, um, uh, I I got. It's the Bluth family from. Oh, of that's moment. right. Uh, yeah, they none of them know how to do a chicken noise. Um. Okay. Uh, what else do we got here? Only a couple more. Uh, how many different people, you're not going to answer this, but just to give me a guess, how many different people have played Colonel Sanders during the current KFC ad campaign that started back in 2015? Eight. Fifteen. Yeah. Oh. So, well, you know, because I was like, hoping that was like an was, amazing yeah, guess. That would have been great. Because you had, um, oh, um, uh, what's his name for Night Live? The guy, uh, Sean Connery. Um, yeah, Daryl Hammond. Daryl Hammond was the one that started it all off. And then you had... Um, uh, Norm Macdonald after him, and then various other people take. Billy Zane was the colonel at one point, but right now it's a uh, Hop for Julius Bjornson, aka the Mountain, is playing the colonel. Really? Yeah, it's funny. Like you see this guy, he's built wearing this white <laughs> suit and everything. Yeah. So fifteen different people. Um, all right, uh, I think this is the last one I have here. Actually, what was the name of the 1981 Atari game that had you play as a chicken trying to cross a very busy and very deadly freeway? Joust. <laughs> it was free. It was freeways. I wrote. I meant to say very deadly interstate, and I said freeway. So the answer is freeway, and you actually had to cross the road as a chicken. Which the original version of the game had humans try to cross the road, and they would leave like a little blood splatter. And and then I don't know why Atari didn't like that. So yeah, um, it's yeah. like Frogger, but with people. Yeah. So yeah, that's that's all your questions for Chicken Month. So now we know I yeah. failed Chicken Month. You laid an egg. So I, you, yeah. yeah, I laid an egg, and I failed this episode. <laughs> so all right, yeah, that's gonna do it for us this week. Next week, uh, no episode because uh, we we feel so bad about this one. No, uh, I just you know Steve's going off to be a celebrity <laughs> at, uh, at at the Scarathon. Going off to drink uh, vodka in Kentucky with uh, with Tobin Bell. 
And you're just never like, I'm just going to get like a weird text message about like, Tobin, he wants to, wants to play a game. And I'll be like, no, I'll never, <laughs> I will never hear from you again. So yeah, Steve's going to be doing some uh, con prep work and then doing that. And we're going to, we'll be back the week after um, to probably talk about that a little bit. And we're also going to do year of the knockoff for September. Uh, we're going to be looking at 1981's escape from New York and 1982's 1990 Bronx warriors. So this should be exciting. I have not watched Bronx Warriors yet. I started to watch it at one point, and the title sequence was enough to make me be like, we're stopping this film. I'm showing this beginning to Steve, and we're going to talk about this film because it looks pretty amazing. So that'll be exciting. Yeah, I haven't revisited Escape from New York in quite some time either, so I, I'll be interested to uh, give that a rewatch because I think the last time I watched, I think I think Escape from L.A. was the last time I rewatched one of those films. Wow. So it's been a while. It's been a while. Yeah, Escape from L.A. is not very good. I tried. I tried rewatching that in the, like past couple years. I got halfway through it. I couldn't finish it. When I think about it, if I think about it as a B movie, it works a little bit better. But yeah, even then, I saw that in the theater, and I'm like, why? It was one of those things where I was trying to convince myself this movie was good as I was watching it, and I just just could not. Yeah, my yeah. partner on the Saturday Night Slasher, Ryan, it's one of his like he had the same experience as you did, so. <laughs> I think maybe also the fact that I didn't pay to see it probably helped. Probably. Um, so, yeah. Uh, like two weeks, uh, Escape from New York and 1990 Bronx Warriors. So, until then, have a safe safe two weeks, everybody. Um, Steve, have a safe trip. I hope to. Yeah. And may be very successful. And then, you know, uh, get some, I don't know, film stars to sign on to your comic book. I don't even know how that would work. You know, just be like, hey, can I draw your likeness in here? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> that would be nice. Um, yeah. I'm just going to settle for uh, making... Uh, my table back and getting drunk <laughs> and getting so. drunk. Yes. All right. That good life goals, everybody life goals have, have a safe two weeks. <laughs>